name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You may be seated. Would you join your hearts together with mine as we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning where you have gathered us into your presence. You bring us around your word and around your gifts at the altar. We pray, Lord, that you work by your Holy Spirit. Lead us together so that we would not be divided from you, but find peace in your grace and in your mercy. In Jesus' name alone, amen. All right, a little fun with words for you. There's word pairings that you know of throughout life that, uh, you know, on their own are great words, and together they might seem a little bit confusing, but you understand the concept. So let's work through a couple of them real quick. Jumbo shrimp. <laughs> Sounds kind of funny to hear those things together, right? There's other fun ones out there as well. Uh, another concept that might work for you, deafening silence. Well, if it's silent, how is it deafening? But see, you understand the tension between those words. And being good Lutherans, you actually know a couple from the teachings of the church as well. Sinner saint. All right, how does that work? We know sinfulness from our experience. We know saint because God calls us that, right? Here's another one that we've been walking through with the large catechism. Jesus is the God-man. Is he God or is he man? Which one is it? Or is it both? Those words and tension can bring about a concept of something or a reality or a truth about something, yet when you hear those words together, sometimes it's a little hard to really wrap your head around how they really go together. Another one for you, and this is from time at seminary, Missouri and Mexican food. They don't go together at all. Don't ever try and seek it out. Don't look for it. It's just something that doesn't work. Not even the concept, nothing about those two ever go together. There's two other words, and we hear them in the gospel reading today. And I'm sure the words of Jesus caught you off guard quite a bit. And as I was reading through different resources, one of the professors from St. Louis Seminary named Professor David Schmidt came up with a great phrase, divisive peace. Well, now that doesn't seem right. Peace that brings division? A dividing that brings peace? And for us, we might say, you know, I can wrap my head around that a little bit. We've seen peace treaties amongst divided people. And, you know, that seems to work out okay because there's no longer any conflict or war. But remember, a biblical definition of peace is well beyond non-violence, non-conflict, non-interaction. In fact, the biblical idea of peace, shalom, is completeness, wholeness, togetherness, a unification of things so that there are no missing parts. So now let's hear those two words again. Separated unity. Well, that doesn't seem to make sense at all. And as we hear Jesus talk, he poses a question. Do you think I've come to bring peace? Well, yeah, man. That's what the angels said. Like when you were born and there were angels singing out to the shepherds out in the fields of Bethlehem, that's exactly what they said. 
goodwill towards men and peace on earth. So yeah, Jesus, I do think that you've come to bring peace on earth because that's what was proclaimed. That's what the Messiah is supposed to do. That's your whole job as the one who's fulfilling the prophets and fulfilling the promise of God and the Messiah is to bring peace. So yes, Jesus, we do think that you've come to bring peace. And I wonder how long he actually paused before reading or before saying the next phrase. You know, when we read it through scriptures, do you think I've come to bring peace on earth? No, rather I tell you division. Yeah, but I wonder if it went more like this. Do you think I've come to bring peace on earth? You think so? Oh. No. Rather division. You can hear a little difference in there. And imagine the disciples' minds because just a little bit earlier when Jesus was teaching through a couple of parables, they asked this one question. Jesus, do you tell us all these things for us or for everybody? Like, are these words for everybody else because we're all good? Or are you telling us for us because we got to get things straight? And Jesus doesn't actually answer that one. He just moves right into the next teaching, which is, I've come to bring fire on the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. What? Huh? Fire, Jesus, means judgment. That's what Isaiah says. That's what Jeremiah says. That's what all the prophets have said. And that God promised not to flood the earth again in judgment, but that the next time the judgment would come, there'd be fire. And you're telling me that you, Jesus, have come to bring fire? That's what you're bringing? Fire and judgment upon the earth? And I think we see some of that division. We know that God has to judge sin. And so when, to hear Jesus say, I have come to bring fire and this is the thing that I am bringing here to the earth and how he wishes it was already kindled. Though we may not want that, we can wrap our head around that idea. We can see the brokenness around the earth and beyond just brokenness, we can see the sinfulness that wrecks God's creation as Paul says that the whole creation groans under the weight of sin. And God's got to do something about it. And so we understand the fact that God actually does have to come and judge sin. How's that going to look? Well, it looks kind of like the next line that Jesus says. I have a baptism to be baptized with. I wish the judgment were already kindled and started because, man, this judgment that's coming, you guys can't bear. And I wish it were already done because I've got a baptism to be baptized with. And how much distress I carry until that is accomplished. Now, we hear that and we take those words and we put it into our time and place. And we say, well, that's like when Jesus comes back, right? That's when it's all going to be accomplished. Yeah, fully. But remember, he's speaking to his disciples and to the people right there before he's ever gone to the cross. He knows what's coming. He knows the judgment of God. He knows the wrath of God that is coming for the sinfulness of the world. And in that very moment, he looks at everything and says, man, I wish this was already done because you don't want to have to deal with it. And if I were being quite honest, I don't want to have to drink that cup either. I mean, that's his direct prayer in the garden, right? Father, if there's any other way that you would let this happen, please let it be so. But not my will, your will, Father. 
if I don't have to drink this cup of your wrath, if I don't have to take this judgment, if there's some other way around this to make things right between the creation and the creator, between all of your people, Lord, and yourself, if there's some other way for that to happen, would you let it happen? Because this cup I don't want to drink. This baptism I don't want to be baptized with. Yet it's your will, Father. It's your will because it's what needs to be done. You can imagine the distress that weighed on Jesus' heart and the distress that weighed on Jesus' mind is he knew what he was doing was going to bring peace. That's the whole reconciliation word, right? Make things right between the creation and the creator to forgive our sins and hand us over his righteousness to make it so we could be in the presence of the Father once again because that all broke apart in the Garden of Eden and it wasn't made right until Christ went to the cross for you. In that moment, he brought you peace. In that moment, he did bring peace to earth. And when the angels proclaim goodwill toward men, peace on earth, they're exactly right because that's who Jesus is. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the King of Peace. He is the only one that could make things right between us and God. And that was his mission, his job. And he fully completed that on the cross. And that peace is done, finished, accomplished for you. He took that baptism of God's wrath and the baptism of judgment and carried that fire and wrath of God upon his shoulders so that you wouldn't have to. And baptized into his blood, into his righteousness, he has taken your sins so that you won't have to suffer the wrath of God for your sins. What a beautiful, wonderful peace. So where's the division come? That's actually what we get to experience every day. And it continues to break our hearts. It continues to weigh on us. See, things are right between you and God. No doubt there. In fact, as Jesus continues on speaking, he says, look, I've come to bring division. In one household, there's going to be three against two and two against three, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. There's nothing in there about sons and mother-in-laws. They're all good. <laughs> Though maybe you feel division there too. I don't know. But see, the peace that God brings is all wrapped up in Jesus, and the division comes not because of the Prince of Peace or because of the work he's done. The division comes once again because of sinfulness and rejecting that peace. And you know it. You've seen it. I can guarantee you in every single one of your family lineages and probably in your experience of all of your loved ones, there's at least one that said, I don't know about this Jesus guy. In fact, I think he's fake. I don't think he is who he says he is. I don't think that what you believe is true is the same as the truth that I believe. And we all have our own truth. So why don't we just coexist and make everything cool? See, that's erring a little too much on the side of peace. Let's forget about the truth. Forget about what God did. Forget about the fact that Christ alone is the Savior. Christ alone is the peace bringer. That Christ alone is the one who died for our sins and rose again. And let's just make everybody feel comfortable and okay and let everybody's beliefs be on equal ground so that we can experience peace together now. That's every Miss America's dream, right? World peace. 
But unfortunately, we can also err too far on the side of division. Because we can start to think that things that are divisive are divine. Because they're so focused on Christ that we're not going to care about the rest of the world and we're going to sit in the middle of the things that divide us and solely hold on to the things that divide us and never open our ears to listen to the ones that need to hear of the peace that Jesus brings. Or we might even get so divisive that we divide our own church. We start making divisions in places where God would rather not have divisions, where God would rather have all of his people gathered around his word, receiving his gifts, And that's a beautiful unity that we will see when Christ comes back. But until that time, because of our human sinfulness and that corrupted human nature that we carry as sinner saints, that sinfulness is going to continue to cause division in homes. That sinfulness is going to continue to cause division in the church. And that division is something that though we may not talk about it all the time, we certainly see it. And we experience it. So we have a peace from God that sinfulness looks at and causes division. It's a bit of a divisive peace. But it does not make that peace untrue. See, that truth of Christ being peace, of him being the one that made things right between us and God, that truth cannot be shaken and that truth cannot be changed. And that peace remains unto eternity. That peace is never ending. And that peace is what is handed over to you as a free gift and gathered here together. You know of that peace. You hear of that peace. That peace shapes your life so that when you go out, you get to see the world in a different way. You get to look at those who don't know of that peace, and you long for them to know of that peace. You long for them to know of God's love for them. You long for them to know of God's mercy and grace for them, that Christ alone won on the cross. You long for them to be wrapped up in that peace and baptism. You long for them to be fed with that peace in communion when Jesus is truly present in body and blood and bread and wine for your forgiveness of sins and strengthening of faith, where you are in his presence. The presence of God. You can't be in the presence of God all sinful. You need to be forgiven. And you have been forgiven. You heard it earlier when I said, I forgive you. It's that simple. You hear it when God's word proclaims the same thing. You hear it when he says, you're my child. You hear it when you are reminded of your baptism. When he says, in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, you're mine. You've been baptized into Christ. You've been raised. And actually, before you've even been raised, you were buried with him. You have died. The old Adam. To the wages of sin. It's done. Jesus carried that for you. His death became yours. You have died in Christ and you have been risen to new life in him. So that when you take your last breath here, it is not your final breath in separation from God. But no, you get to take another one right in his presence. And then he will raise you from the dead. And he will gather you together where everything is complete and whole. And there is no separation or division. But you will be gathered into his presence. And you'll say, look, this is peace. Creator and creation all back together. God and his people walking along together every single moment of every single day into eternity in the light of Christ, the one who shines 
forever. That peace can't be taken from you either. Nothing can take you out of God's hands. Nothing can change what Christ has done. Sure, you could turn away from it. But even then, God continues to fight for you and work by His Holy Spirit to call, gather, enlighten, and bring His people around the truth of Christ and the work that He has done to carry the wrath of God for you so that you would not be divided but brought in to the presence of God. And it's already been done for you. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the peace that you have brought through Christ, and we pray for an end to division. We look forward to that day when we no longer see division amongst families, division amongst our people, division amongst our nation, division between us and you. We pray, Lord, for all the things that we do that divide us from you, that you would continue to forgive us and continue to work by your Holy Spirit's appoint to the peace that Christ alone has brought. So that there would no longer be a divisive peace, but solely peace. In the grace and mercy you have given us so freely in Christ, in his name we pray. Amen.